Mike, Tom, and Jim, and we are one more than two. We are three sweet me bro. Signal Wheeler. We're going to talk about Rhea Ripley. Apparently, she's been apparently she's been being criticized, and she's also breaking some records on TikTok. Edge, AEW bound, maybe Billy Corgan won't shut his mouth. CM Punk versus Jesus Christ. Everyone at this point, and we are going to talk about the worst episode ever. Gentlemen, I hope you're ready. Let's talk some shop. Kind of touch on some stuff that's happening. It just seems like news just keeps happening and happening, and where it's been like. What? To like, oh god, no. Like, to like, oh shit. So guys, uh, Cash Wheeler apparently gets a little testy behind the wheel. Uh, 
Apparently enough to flash a piece, uh, from what I've heard. Um, no, no, we're not talking about the peace sign, Mike. <laughs> yes, no, we're not. Uh, he didn't flash a piece of ass. He didn't flash <laughs> he didn't oh, either. Apparently it was a gun. Um, I, that's all I've heard. Um, they've been pretty coy about it. Um, you know, word on the, the, I guess the proverbial street is AEW is closely monitoring the situation. Um, he hasn't been charged with a real crime yet, if I'm to be understood. Um, so he's, this should give him, I actually think he's booked for either this Wednesday or next collision. And then obviously that Sunday is, uh, over in Wembley. So I don't know. Um, do you think anything is going to come out of this? Just, just given the, the more, I don't want to say family friendly, but just the more conscientious, conscious, conscientious. Did I say that right? Uh, AEW seems to be where it's regardless of sexual assault, um, you know, mental health, abuse, whatever, you know, it just seems like they have a very zero tolerance when it comes to out of the ring shenanigans uh, <laughs> uh, and whatnot. But um, follow up to Jim's book. Uh, yeah, I was going to say yeah. episode, right? <laughs> ringside yeah. shenanigans or what did you say? Post-match shenanigans. This is unfortunately the outside of the ring. Outside ring shenanigans. <laughs> outside of the ring shenanigans. But um, guys, what's your take on it? Outside of Jim Yeager. <laughs> no, but Jim, what's your what's your take on this? Like, have you heard anything else, or you know, what do you do? You think he should be punished, etc. But what's your thoughts? Well, I mean, to be clear, he he was charged. He was formally charged. Uh, he was released on bond. It was a twenty five hundred dollar cash bond. Uh, they did not uh, take his passport. So he, he can still go to England. Uh, they did, however, collect all of his firearms. He's not allowed to have a firearm for the duration, duration of the trial, uh, you know, which, okay. Um, I, I think on the one, I, I, I go back and forth on this. Uh, on the one hand, I think humans are human and people are allowed to make mistakes. On the other hand, I think never have I flashed a handgun at a stranger because they made a driving error. And, and I just, I have a hard time believing that anybody in a healthy mental capacity flashes a handgun because how the other person was driving. So I, I honestly, I, I think he needs to be drug tested. I no shit. I'm not being coy. I'm not being tongue in cheek. That's I, I think it would be a good policy of AEW moving forward uh, to, to drug test him, to get him some counseling, um, not just what happens in court, but just generally, because like you said, they are a, a more socially conscientious company. They do care about their image. They are they 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 want to hold their talent to a, a, a good moral standard. Um, so, again, I, I on the one hand, I get that people make mistakes. But on the other hand, what the fuck, man? That's like it's a felony. He's being charged with a felony in the state of Florida. Do you know how hard it is to, <laughs> to accuse a white man of a felony in Florida? Right. Like that is for fuck's sake, man. They have the castle doctrine. Right. Florida is the stand your ground state. Yeah, that's right. Florida is the if you have a gun, you can do whatever the fuck you want. So long as you're white, they're charging a white man with a firearm felony. That's a bad fucking sign, dude. That's a really bad sign. Yeah. Tom, what are your what are your thoughts? I'm, I'm very uh, similar with Jim. I, I think. Uh, you know, if, if he, if he comes back clean, uh, he definitely needs to go to some like anger management counseling. Uh, <laughs> Cause that's bit. insane. Like 
I've I've been cut off. I've been, you know, uh, I mean, I just got rear-ended uh, last week, uh, and uh, I didn't I didn't pull a gun out and you know rant and rave <laughs> at the person. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I, I no, I, I definitely agree with Jim. I think that's a smart decision, and I think AEW needs to be as public as they can be because of how progressive they are. Um, do, does it tarnish the image of FTR? A little. Um, I think. Uh, I think we're going to see them get the belt stripped for sure. Um, I think the you know it, it fits <laughs> for if if he did pull the gun out. It definitely. I mean, that's the least of his worries is getting stripped of the the title. Um, and I'm also on the fence with like MJF too. MJF has been uh, weirdly public about it, and uh, it, recently, lately, not just supportive uh, of him, right? Cash yeah, very defensive. Yeah, like he's, very he's supportive, defensive of a few wrestlers and. Uh, um, I agree. Yeah. You, you, you're human. You know, people, people are allowed to make mistakes. Look at, you know, uh, RIP Jay Briscoe. Uh, he made a terrible mistake and he spent his whole career trying to rectify it. And I hope Cash Wheeler can, can learn from this and move forward and, uh, you know, own up to his mistakes and, and, you know, publicly apologize. If, like I said, if it is, you know, if it is true, you know, if the guy's making up a bunch of horse shit, then he has nothing to worry about. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a bummer, you know, it's just a bummer news because we, we speak so highly of FDR and, and that was just like, oh man, really? You had to go do that. So who knows? I think, I think, you know, in the next couple of weeks, more things are going to come out and, you know, we'll, we'll have probably more to touch on that when it comes out. I was going to say, it's not, not that there's ever a good time to pull a gun on somebody in a road range incident, but this timing was really fucking bad too. Like the incidents happened, the incident happened end of July, according to the court records. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't charged until this week, but I mean, do you know what you have coming up? Like keep your shit together. You're going into one of the biggest matches of your career. Keep your shit together. Yeah, no. And that's like to, to both of your guys' points, like we've all been cut off. You know, it, Tom, you got rear ended. I've well, been Mike, in, an in Chicago for crying out loud. So, <laughs> yeah, right. no, I, I mean, it. it's intense. And but again, to your point, I've never I, all, all my guns are somewhere else. Um, and <laughs> I, so I don't even have one. And But like the fact that like someone would be like, they cut me off that mother. Like that's like that's some. That's some rage. <laughs> Good thing I brought my car pistol. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Yeah. So no, I, I agree with you. I think um, it, it seems it's unfortunate that this may lead to them losing the belts to the young bucks, which gag. Um, I think <laughs> yeah, that's, that's an extra spider. bitter pill for you to swallow. I don't care. I don't care. Um, now maybe maybe silver lining here, and and I'm obviously just pulling this directly out of my ass. But what if what if FTR hands the belts to the Bucks? The Bucks show up at Wembley, all gloaty, braggy. We're the best. We're the best. Nobody even wants to fight us. And then you don't even know me. Edge and Christian come out to challenge for the AEW tag team titles at Wembley. Would oh that God. fucking blow? I mean, come on. That's tr- that's making the best out of a situation. That yeah. would be pretty unreal. Unfortunately, given what we saw last Wednesday, um, I don't think that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> Which we will get to, but 
So next, um, you know, I think drag about Cash Wheeler, but even more drag um, is apparently Rhea Ripley has been uh, criticized um, even a- even after breaking some uh, some record on TikTok. From what I understand, I've I, this is completely new to me. Um, love Rhea Ripley, so I'm really intrigued to hear. I don't know which one of you guys, Tom. I think you, I think kind of led off with this one. So like, what's what's going on with Rhea? Yeah, I mean, she's she's been being ugh. Rhea's been uh, criticized pretty heavily uh, ever since the her Judgment Day uh, turn. Um, a lot of people are just kind of unhappy with her, like kind of pseudo goth look, which is uh, ridiculous. And I don't understand why. Um, and I, I, I think it, it, it was maybe even worse with uh, the pairing of her and Dom Mysterio. And um, we all know how Mike feels about Dom Mysterio being, you know, <laughs> all right. living legend Dom Mysterio. Uh, <laughs> all right, fuck you. So, but she's been she's been harassed quite a bit on, on TikTok, of course, or. or Twitter X or whatever it is, uh, Instagram, Instagram, like every social media platform. And she holds her own. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to say anything to Rhea Ripley. She could crush my spine. Uh, <laughs> but apparently she was criticized heavily for her looks heavily for her ring gear, the black hair. Everyone wants her to return to like the blonde hair kind of, you know, no tattoos, which is well too late. Um, yeah. but she like, I, I, Jim, you might have to fact check me here. It was like 900 million views mm-hmm. uh, or 900,000, but not, I, it was like an astronomical amount of views on TikTok. And it was all because of Rhea Ripley. Like people have just been binge watching Rhea Ripley. And, Look, and I, you got to so say, sorry, Tom, like, like matches or like just, just, just any, all media, all sorts yeah. of everything, anything and everything she posts. Yeah. Everything she posts is, has, has brought like nine, like some insane figure. And it's broken a bunch of TikTok records and she basically was gloating on, on social media, which is, which is great because I really hope, um, cause we all know how toxic the, the wrestling community can be. Um, I love it when they, they actually do something good and productive. And I hope a lot of that is like fans of hers just being like, just, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just charging headfirst in, into the, the social media and giving her, you know, boosting the numbers. And yes, it is, you know, it was on a WWE account, which kind of sucks because WWE sucks, but <laughs> good for her. I think, I think it was, it was pretty awesome. And it's a noteworthy, you know, clickbait to talk about because Rhea Ripley is just, I think phenomenal. I think she's probably, you know, next to Charlotte Flair, one of the best female wrestlers going right now. That's a shame, man. That's bananas. That I mean, she is gorgeous. It's not surprising at all, though. I mean, I mean, it is. I mean, it's disgusting. Goals. It is. It's dumb. Like it's. I don't know if we're gonna talk about this in the in the worst episode or well, no, not the worst episode ever. Or maybe what's to come. Um, you know, I saw something with Diamante and um, Willow. They got mm-hmm. crapped on for it was like oh this and that, and I'm like that was was it great? No, but it was it was good. It was I liked match. it. It was oh, solid. And I love Diamante, so I'm happy she's getting more, you know, uh, more screen time as is, you know, Mercedes Mercedes Martinez. But like a lot of people were like, oh, Diamante looks like this. And I'm like, what? Uh, It's just Mm. it's really sad that we're still here. Um, But, Jim, obviously your take, you seem to be also not seem to be sorry, more (laughs) in tune with what's going on with Rhea, I guess, with this dumb shit. So want to hear what you have to say. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think most people are aware that me and Rhea Ripley are pretty tight. Uh, we, uh, so obviously I'm plugged in on this issue. Nah, I, she's, yeah, she's, she's, let's, let's get the, the obvious things out of the way right up front. She is a phenomenal wrestler. She is drop dead gorgeous. She is incredibly witty and funny on social media. She has a great social media presence. The problem here is that trolls are going to troll and you have people who don't want people like they don't want you to have a good thing for too long. And so they have to find a reason to bitch. And, you know, I was saying this to you, Mike, before we started, I blame the undertaker for this. Uh, And not because the undertaker did something, but because when the undertaker decided that the dead man gimmick wasn't, enough anymore and he switched over to the american badass yeah i think that created this false illusion in the mind of a lot of people that oh you can't be dark for so long right you got to have something to you besides being dark and that's horseshit that's absolute horseshit um if undertaker had stayed the dead man throughout his entire career and never had done that fucking american badass gimmick he would still be the undertaker today people would still you know think of him as 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 highly as they do it's just trolls being trolls there's nothing wrong with rhea ripley's look there's nothing wrong with her style there's nothing wrong with her wrestling ability it's just miserable fucking losers on the internet and that's so sad sad like the last thing you want to do is the last thing you want to do is is negotiate with terrorists and fucking loser incels on the internet are terrorists you don't give in to their demands and like i said like well like tom said she's been doing a great job clapping back uh you know she's she's been she's very clearly you know confident in who she is and she's found uh, a style and in performance that fits her and she feels good in fucking keep doing it, man. Just keep going, Rhea. No, I'm 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 absolutely with you guys on that point. Um, it's and it's just nuts though that the out of I mean, there's a select few, you know, uh Bianca Belair, Charlotte Flair, obviously, um, Asuka, um, you know, I would say uh um Eosky. There's a handful that are phenomenal. Rhea's one of them, phenomenal women's wrestlers. And it's like, this is probably, she is one, not, it's a very different era. And I'm, I'm hesitant to compare her to like the Lita's and the Trish Stratus mm-hmm. because it was a different era, but they're still very well remembered. And like Rhea is one of them. Mm-hmm. And it's just really weird that they're crapping all over this, I, you know, kind of a, not a once in a lifetime talent, but a very rare women's talent. And it's, it's just kind of sad. It's, I don't know. Just a drag. Tom, I don't know. Did you have anything else to add or? No, I mean, uh, I, I agree with you, what you guys said. And uh, I think WWE is incredibly lucky that they got her when they did, because I, I guarantee she'd be making waves at, at any company. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, good for her. I, I hope she continues to stand her ground. And, you know, if you're if you're a part of like going out of your way to make somebody's day just shit just stop 
Mm-hmm. You're a terrible human being and just stop. And also stop watching wrestling then too. <laughs> yeah. Just fuck all the way off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, fuck off, man. Next around the 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 gamut um is uh word on the street is uh Edge may be headed to AEW. Um there are some it's not been necessarily confirmed because I guess there's been um some shenanigans uh about his contract with um so he his contract because he was injured actually may not be fully done until i think it's like late september october um so he's and um, um, i've also heard that he's still in some negotiations um with wwe they just can't come to an agreement on things but there has been the the what I've read about uh, Edge and AEW bound is it is a very real possibility. Um, specifically speaking, um, the uh, there's been I, I think the Hardys have uh, posted some stuff where it's like Edge and Christian and Jeff and Matt. And as much as I don't want to see them, this would be huge for AEW to 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 have that. You know those and 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 again it. It would take kind of the perfect build and the perfect moment, I think, to really hit. Um, but it, it could be a big gamble uh, by AEW. But anyway, like uh, just on Edge in general, uh, what are your thoughts about him staying, potentially coming to AEW? Do you think it's a win? Do you think it's a loss? Um, you know, I know, Jim, You we talked about it briefly before mm-hmm. we started to record. So, Tom, really interested to really hear you guys' mm-hmm. thoughts on this. So, uh, Tom, we'll start with you. What do you think? You know, good, bad. Um, is he going to stay? Is he going to go? With cover well, the game. He, I mean, let, let's look at the WWE angle real quick. Uh, if he's leaving WWE, I would say good for him because he uh, has had kind of. I mean, his return was amazing. I'm not the biggest Edge fan. I, I never really was. I respect him as a wrestler. I think he's a pretty sound wrestler. I think he deserves the title. Some of the stories he was in was were, were pretty awful. Uh, but overall, I think he's a pretty well-rounded, you know, wrestler and enjoyable to watch. He he's had some duds, but he's definitely had some good matches for sure. But I wouldn't be surprised if he left because when he came back, they focused so much on his neck injury. Then they were like, get this man a title. Oh, wait, never mind. We're just going to push Roman to the moon and back. Um, so I, I think his run in WWE was, was kind of lackluster. Um, I don't really remember other than the Seth Rollins feud that he had and him starting that stupid judgment day uh, <laughs> thing. Um, but overall, he's had a, he's had an amazing career uh, in mm-hmm. WWE and I, I don't blame him. I, I've heard uh, one of the big things is the, that legends contract is uh, everyone talks about. And I think he deserves it. If he gets paid a boatload of money to do a few shows here and there, protects his neck, gets time with his family. You can't fault a guy for that. Mm-hmm. You can't at all. Um, but if AEW gets it and AEW also promises this, this lucrative contract where you wrestle X amount of days and we all know that collision is pretty heavy in Canada also win, win there. Um, I, I think it would be massive. It would be massive for AEW and multiple reasons because you have the, the fanboys of the attitude era and then the fanboys of the people who, when the, the ruthless aggression era. And I think that's, that's really big nostalgia wise. And, and Tony Khan is very big on that. And I think it would be perfect. Like Jim said, I, I hell yeah, I'd pop, I'd pop 
I don't want to say pop so hard because that's really gross, but (laughs) (laughs) I was about to, but I did and no regrets, but I popped like a maniac because if you heard, if you heard Edge and Christian come out to challenge, you know, one of the, you know, whether I know Mike, you're, you're a little sour on them. Credit where credit's due. They're an amazing tag team, the Young Bucks. Dude, that's a dream match right there. Mm -hmm. And if it's, if it's for one night, I'll take it, man. I'll take Mm -hmm. it. Um, So, I, I mean, I think it's, it's, it reminds me a lot of like, the WCW era, the Monday night wars of who's going where yeah. um, I, I want to like, you know, not look at the dirt sheet so much. Cause I do want to be surprised if this, this does play out at Wembley. Uh, Jim, what, what about, what about you, man? What do you think? Well, I, uh, to me, first of all, I was under the impression that edge was not on a calendar based contract, but rather an appearance based contract oh, really? because because the way it was phrased was this was his last contracted match for WWE. So uh, to me, that says that he had, uh, you know, not, you know, like the legends contract, right? You're, you're, you're set for a certain number of matches, not necessarily for two years or or one year. Right. Um, Which would free him up immediately. Um, You know, if you, if you saw the, the fan recorded video of edge after, uh, SmackDown went off the air when he said, you know, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to be doing. I don't, I honestly don't know what I'm doing. It wouldn't surprise me one bit if WWE was still trying to keep him, still trying to hold on to him. That being said, it would not in the least bit surprise me if he shows up in AEW because number one, he's already sitting on a shitload of cash, right? He He's already, the man's made a lot of money in his career. Yeah. Number two, he's branched out beyond wrestling, not to the level of Batista, not to the level of The Rock, not to the level of John Cena, but he does have acting gigs on his resume and more acting gigs coming up. Right. Third, look at the people he is friends with and they're all in AEW. Right. Uh, The obvious Christian. Right. But he's good friends with FTR. Right. He's yeah. he's got really good connections with Mark Henry. He's got really good connections with Paul White. Yeah. There's a lot of people in AEW that he doesn't need the money. He doesn't need the fame. At this point of his career, it's you know it'd be really fucking cool to do. And those opportunities are in AEW. Edge and Christian versus the Young Bucks. Edge and Christian versus FTR. Edge and Christian versus the Hardy Boys. One last fucking time. There are so many things that Edge could do in AEW that what is there left to do in WWE except be a guy who puts other guys over? And that's right. that's really all they've been mm-hmm. using him for, and that's all they would use him for. So he's 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 had a great run in WWE, but you're right. They they really kind of dropped the ball with him this since he came back spread your wings man get some creative options elsewhere so i would love to see edge in aew i I would absolutely love to see what he can do there and and i think he'd get along i think he'd have more longevity in aew um because he wouldn't be i mean he wouldn't be doing house shows he wouldn't be wrestling you know three times a week he'd be wrestling once a week at most good for you man just drag that shit out yeah my only my only concern though is just knowing it's I mean, obviously when he came back with the rumble, he looked amazing. He still looked like he could go. Um, is that he'll parlay if he does end up going to AEW, he'll parlay that into a more you know, like a Christian, like what Christian is doing. Not saying that like I I wish Christian wasn't with Luchasaurus. I kind of get it. 
Um, you know, but he's doing great work. He really is. The fact that like the turtleneck, like, it's great. <laughs> it really is. And it's so maybe Edge could finally kind of cut loose a little bit, which sure. Okay. I'll see that because you've always been under the WWE umbrella. Um, but also it's like, man, there's a lot of talent that deserves airtime and mm-hmm. you could be potentially taking away from that. So it's like, do I really like Edge and Christian and the Hardys one last time would be fun. I don't, I don't care. I don't need it. Yeah. I really don't. Um, I have, what, what was it? The, 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 was it the first TLC with them where it was like, it was, and it was like the Terry invitational I tournament tit. Jesus. Yeah, get it. Get it. I think that was, that was the first one where everyone went, Holy shit. This is amazing. Tag team wrestling's, you know, it's back kind of thing. So I don't need to see that. I really don't. And it's just, that's what I'm afraid of though. Um, Who again, so much happened in this episode. So I'm sure this will come up as well, but like old things coming about and rehashing (laughs) that I don't need to see. I don't care because there's so much good talent. So I don't know. I, I I have mixed feelings. Like I want him to come because I want AEW to get the credibility, but also I could see Edge either being wasted yet again or just being drawn out. Like it'll be fun, but being drawn out too far, if that makes any sense. So I don't know, sure. Tom. Well, would- yeah, I mean, well, to Jim's credit, where he's he was talking about uh, putting guys over in WWE, he could put over anybody. But WWE itself is McMahon's the last straw, whether whether, right. you know, and then also too, uh, like, why is Seth Rollins going over? Rollins yeah. is over by himself. Like Rollins has been over for for years. We don't need to see more Rollins. So actually, I, I argue with with that, Mike. I, I think if he goes over to AEW, he puts over guys, hot, young talent like Starks, uh, Hobbs, guys that we've we've, you know, preached to the moon about. I mean. Dude, I would totally be amped for an Edge versus uh, Malachi Black. I think that'd be Whoa. insane. I think that'd be incredible because of all yeah. of the, you know, the the de- it would basically be like uh, metal versus death metal. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm totally into that. I mean, honestly, Fair though, enough. could you imagine if if they recreate the Brood with uh, Edge, Christian, and Luchasaurus? Luchasaurus is a great big man to go against Brody Lee. I mean, I would yeah. I'd be all for it. That uh, sounds like fun. Yeah, I think I think Edge, if he goes over to AEW, he's going to put over talent that deserves it. And Tony Khan's not an idiot, and he's actually going to push him. Whereas <laughs> WWE, you can only go so far. And when Edge versus LA Knight, uh, why they refuse to push that guy is, I, I don't I don't understand it. I, I don't think I ever will. And, you know, and I think that's a good segue because I think we could talk about Edge, um, you know, whether it's good or bad. And, and you know, I ultimately at the end of the day, like I want him to come for sure. I just don't want I don't shut up, Jim. Um, <laughs> We've been weirdly using a lot of like innuendos this episode. Yeah, we have been like, I'm afraid of certain talents sticking around that don't need to be sticking around anymore. And I'm not saying the edge is mm-hmm. close to that, but it's, uh, and I just, I, I, I'm, we'll talk about this, but anyway, Tom, I think you bring up a good point. Um, you know, LA Knight, um, apparently Mr. Billy Corgan and God, <laughs> why we're talking oh, about him. I don't know. Yes, but 
I'm sorry, Billy That's Corgan. That's an honorific. <laughs> Billy, Billy Corgan. Well, Billy Corgan apparently has said something like dumb yet again uh, about uh, Tom L.A. Knight, who yeah. deserves everything. That, that, why they're not throwing the moon at this guy, I don't understand. But um, this one, again, I'm a little in the dark on. So I, whoever wants to kind of help fill us in, uh, Jim, what is what's the problem with Billy Corgan this time? <laughs> I'm glad you said this time because otherwise that was going to be a long fucking explanation. Uh, so Billy Corgan was, was being interviewed by Chris Van Vliet. And in that interview said a lot of really stupid things, uh, <laughs> a, lot, a lot because, oh, you know, lot. Billy Corgan talking, stupid things are going to say, be said. Um, but one of the things he said is, is Chris Van Vliet asked him about uh, why Billy Corgan who, to be clear, has never and will never work for WWE. Chris Van Fleet asked Billy Corgan, why do you think WWE isn't pulling the trigger on LA Knight? To which Billy Corgan responded, well, I have some insight because I was trying to sell him to the creative team to push him and they were pushing back against it. So blah, 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 blah. Now, I'll let Tom get into the specifics of Billy Corgan's let's just call it reasoning for lack of a better term. But the, the point, my, the thing that hung me up is what in the blue fuck would Billy Corgan know about it? Right. What in the blue fuck would Billy Corgan have anything to say about why WWE is, is, or is not doing anything. I'm sorry, but running NWA is in no way, shape or form credibility to talk about what's happening behind the scenes in WWE. Now I say that knowing full well that I am a middle-aged fat white guy in the middle of nowhere talking, (laughs) talking into a microphone. So what credibility do I have, but I'm not being interviewed by Chris Van Vliet, right? I'm fully acknowledging. I'm I don't know what the fuck happens back there, but here's what I think should happen. Billy Corgan is trying to pretend like he would have the slightest fucking clue what's going on there. And that's what <laughs> bothers me is, is he's, he's, he's trying to put, trying to big show, right? He's trying to big shot himself and make himself look more important than he is. And he's just, he's just a fucking washed up rock singer. That's really all he is. So fuck right off Billy Corgan. I don't care what your opinion is on what's going on in WWE because you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Tom. <laughs> oh man i i hate i i just can't stand him uh and yeah you're right he is running nwa uh, running it right into the ground oh, guys, come on. set that one up uh, well yeah um he i believe he said and don't quote me verbatim it was a size issue yes la knight is too small to be pushed. And really, we're really going to fucking do that right now? Billy Corgan is is so dumb that he's using an argument that was used in the 90s. Like, <laughs> he's not big like Hulk Hogan. Are you fucking... No one's going to be big as Hulk Hogan because no one's allowed to use steroids that Hulk Hogan used. Like, what are you talking about, you idiot? Like, they pushed Brian Daniels, who was... He's much smaller. Than L.A. Knight. And he said he goes on to say that, like, 
Well, LA Knight just doesn't have the, the, you know, the background that like Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels does. And he doesn't, he doesn't believe that, you know, all these wrestling companies want to push big guys. And that's the furthest thing from the, the, the truth. And, and we're well beyond this stupid argument about the big guy, you know, the big bodybuilder type. Like, what are you talking about? You bald headed moron? Like what? And so it just, I don't know, man, it, it just blew my mind that he was that dumb. Even said, I think uh, he makes uh, mention to Trevor, Trevor Murdoch, that, yeah. you know, the reason why Trevor Murdoch was pushed was because he was a big guy. And it was like, dude, you're so stupid. Like, yeah, he's a fat guy. guy. He's not a big guy. <laughs> he's like Vader or Stan Hansen big. Like, yeah. So Billy Corgan has no business in my, in my eyes anywhere near a wrestling product. This is what happens. If, if they, if Tony Khan gets criticized for being a fanboy, then so should Billy Corgan, because that's all he is. He's, he's like a nostalgic, happy fanboy that has a ton of money. And he's, he's obviously bought all of the cars and houses that he wants. And so he's like, Hey, I got an idea. Uh, why not take over NWA? All right, man, you can have it. Just go away. Just, just get out of here. Well, it sucks though, because like he has so the, the talent in there. It's, it's not oh, bad yeah. with Camille. Uh, I mean, he ran Nick Aldis out mm-hmm. essentially. Um, God, who else is in there? Um, uh, Zicky Dice. Well, he left. Yeah. Um, God, who else is in there? I, it's it's all you, need is, all you need is Tyrus, man. So uh, apparently, um, oh my God, why am I drawing so many? There's actually some pretty good. Like, who else? I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. Well, but Matt Cardona wasn't Matt Cardona in there, yeah. but he 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 hasn't been around there. Ricky starts left, um, <laughs> but I think that was before. I I think well because like Jim and I were talking about this time where if do you remember where NWA was kind of like gone for a while, and then all of a sudden they pop yeah. back up on YouTube with their power thing, mm-hmm. but they so they were and that's where like Brody King because remember he debuted. It's like it was like he was like a whole violence and corp. It was supposed to be Marty like a whole was there, wasn't he? Yeah, before before the yeah. the, the allegations of him yeah. came out. Yeah, Marty right. Scrolls in NWA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, and and I just to be clear, I I looked this up so I can be specific and factual. Billy Corgan saying that WWE is not pushing LA Knight because he's too small. Let's 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 do a little by the numbers comparison real quick. Right. The current world heavyweight champion is a guy who obviously is not getting pushed by WWE. Right. He's the world heavyweight champion. So obviously he's forgotten about and he's not getting pushed. A young man by the name of Seth Rollins. Right. Seth Rollins, who clearly has never been pushed by WWE. Right. Why? He's just too small. He's six foot one, 225 pounds. Right. No one has ever said Seth Rollins is too small to be pushed, which is which would be completely fucking moronic to say, because Seth Rollins has been one of the most pushed superstars, one of the most pushed wrestlers of the last fucking 10 years. Right. L.A. Knight is six foot one, two hundred and twenty nine pounds. Seth Rollins and LA Knight are the same fucking body. They're the <laughs> same size. Th- this is why I think Billy Corgan has zero fucking credibility in talking out his ass, right? Is because if you're going to say that LA Knight is too small and he's not being pushed, then how the fuck do you explain Seth Rollins? 
How do you explain Daniel Bryan? How do you explain CM Punk? How do you explain the edge? How do you explain the dozens of other world champions that they've had that were not Kofi Kingston too? Kofi Kingston, the dozens of other champions that were not fucking Brock Lesnar. That yep. were not Vader, right? How do you explain the overwhelming number of, of talent that they have pushed who are his size or smaller? Billy Corgan's just full of shit. He's just plain full of shit. I don't know why the fuck people continue to interview him. I don't know why anybody continues to give a flying fuck what he has to say because he doesn't say anything worth listening to. Nope. He pushes Tyrus for fuck's sake. Yeah. He's pushing Tyrus. I just, God damn it. That alone should disqualify him from anybody ever caring about his opinion. I just fucking hate the guy so goddamn much anymore. Mike, how do you feel about Billy Corgan? Big fan? Oh, man. Huge guy. So anyway, <laughs> I love him. No, um, I, I've never. is a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've honestly never understood his connection with wrestling other than the fact that he's just really liked it. Um, I believe Jim at the, uh, Anar- what was the, what, uh, ECW was that heat wave? He's at one of them, which, yeah, he's, he's been at several PP. Well, but the one that I remember that the, you're at, the one you went oh, to. I was at Anarchy Rules. Yeah. Yes, thank you. He's at that one, too. Mm-hmm. And it's just, but it's like, why? Whoa. Yeah, they show yeah. him in the crowd. They're very uh, interesting. He's wearing a Cubs hat, actually. Like Billy Corgan. I, I did. Me and him, uh, we're, we're going to go out drinking later. Oh. Uh, no, it's like Billy Corgan, he's just, he's a guy, he's a fan who got a lot of money. Yeah. He doesn't well, make you fucking knowledgeable. Yeah. And he claims that he is, which is weird. And it just, I, I don't know. Because he's an egomaniac. You got to remember. He's a, yeah. Billy Corgan, like, despite his, like, you know, grunge bona fides. And I know that word bothers you. Tom, yeah, I was going to say grunge in the loosest of terms, bona please. Bona fides. <laughs> despite his grunge background, right? He grew up very fucking well off right billy corgan was not a street rat billy corgan is a spoiled ass rich kid right who grew up to play like made some money playing music and decided to use some of that money on a new toy called nwa and that's about that's all the guy fucking is he has no idea what the fuck he's doing he just has a wallet and i'm fucking sick of him I'm just fucking sick. Have of you him. seen that picture of him like holding the like NWA? Like he looks like a fucking creep where he's like, yeah. well, he is a fucking <laughs> like, creep. He, he yeah. is a creep. Yeah. That he looks like me. a creep for the same reason. I look like a fat ass, Mike. Like it's just, you, you look like what you are. I believe I wasn't it on, you are on not that at all, sir. <laughs> Joe Rogan's podcast. He was literally talking to Joe Rogan about like how wealthy he is and how yeah. much money he's made and how he's like, you literally just run out of things to buy. And that's, that is exactly like Jim nailed it. Yep. He is, he's a, a rich brat who is like, I, I bought every Ferrari that I can. Now it's time for, I want this new shiny toy and eat oh, the rich. I'm a wrestling fan. Yeah, eat the rich. And Billy Corgan is a fucking appetizer. He's in a moose bouche. We start with fucking Billy Corgan. <laughs> I don't even know how we transition transition into this next topic because man, this guy just seemingly cannot stay out of trouble and or people he's just pissing off. 
Um, it CM Punk versus whoever at this point. Um, I've heard, I've heard he's got beef with Ryan Nemeth of all people. Um, who, if anybody is not aware of, um, that's Dolph Ziggler. Uh, wow. Dolph oh, Ziggler. Oh, del Vikingo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> El, it, uh, shit. <laughs> no. Dolph Zingarino? Yeah, there's, uh, let's try that again. Uh, uh, so Punk had uh, trouble with uh, Ryan Nemeth, uh, who is Dolph Ziggler's brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, for yeah. those of the, you know, unaware, uh, he's had issues now with Jack Perry, apparently. But I've also heard that that's it was more Jack Perry yeah. throwing a temper tantrum. Um, and uh, I've also heard that he's um, he apologized to Hangman Page because uh, I he word on the street. God, I don't know why I keep saying that. Uh, because you're from the streets, man. Yeah, so you're worried about the Chicago, word. man. I'm from the b- 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 bad streets. Um, <laughs> thank you, Jim. I'm glad. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, no, it's just it. What is with him? And it's seemingly having trouble with everyone. Um, and I actually so uh, real quick before I turn it over to you guys. I guess I didn't really realize because I know, Tom, you've alluded to it where, you know, collision essentially was written for him. Um, I just didn't realize, like, how much sway he actually has. Apparently, he can, you know, dismiss, um, apparently uh, can dismiss people. Um, Like, I guess um, if uh, it was like Christopher Daniels, um, there's been several people that have been routinely kind of. Yep, Matt Hardy. Um, there was another one too. I read. I can't remember um, outside of the obvious, but um, w- rumor is is Punk also has sway over who actually even shows up, um, and it could be like very last minute. As opposed, like that's what I heard with uh, what happened with uh, oh, who was it this week? Uh, essentially, saw Hangman uh, Adam Page. I think was one of them, and there was one more where they were basically they got there and then were told to turn around and go home uh and whatnot and it's coming from punk uh so i guys what do you what's your thought on this is it just is it punk being punk um you know because i know we kind of talked about it last week where he's just it's he's a bit of a grump uh and kind of wants his way because he's got this old school kind of mentality i i don't know but like what now what are your guys' thoughts on punk tom what yeah well, <laughs> i don't know what to say at this point because it's just like jesus christ you know oh well there he is <laughs> <laughs> um i don't know man i think some of it is you got to take it for face value I, I know there there's been a lot of like sloppy reporting about it lately um i know uh, i think cm punk i mean C- no nah, i think he's a master like well master at trolling and so this could very well be him trolling people and just fucking with the dirt sheets because he doesn't like them. Um, so, I mean, with, with that being said, I, I don't know. I, yeah. Christopher Daniels was a, was a name that was mm-hmm. dropped that he, he sent home or is not allowed. And I don't know if that has anything to do with the fact that he's like best friends with AJ styles and punk and AJ styles. It's just very, it's all very dramatic uh, mm-hmm. at this point and unnecessary. And yeah, I do think, punk yeah he has a lot of creative control i i think that's 
that can be dangerous because look at what we're going to talk about next with uh, Chris Jericho. Um, <laughs> I, I think that can be very dangerous, but I also think punk can be very selfless and push people that, you know, push the right people. Um, so, you know, I hope it, it, it turns out that he's just, he's just doing it to fuck with the dirt sheets, but we all know he has, he's got an ego, uh, you know, what wrestler doesn't. Um, I, I do think it's, uh, it's funny with the the Jack Perry stuff. I think I th- I just thought that was very funny. Um, him and CM Punk just basically being like, "Get the fuck out of here!" Like, who are you, man? Um, so yeah, I I don't know. I I hope they don't have. You know, I I hope that Tony Khan's smart enough to not give like complete control to CM Punk because I don't think any wrestler should have control over a show. Um, but yeah, I, it, who's to say? I don't even know at this point. The dude just will not stop talking. And, uh, and also too, as, as much as punk is a, is a, you know, is a, is a very like speak to my face. I, I do have to give credit to Adam page where, um, I think, I think punk's a, a little better than apologizing over a text like that. If that, if he's hurting the man's wallet, that needed to be a face to face conversation and say, Hey, my bad, you know, don't fuck with my money. I'm sorry. I won't fuck with yours, you know? So, um, I hope, I hope, they can they can come to an agreement and talk face to face, but that probably won't happen. Um, who knows? I hope he just stays out of trouble and just shut your mouth, punk man. Just <laughs> let it cool, please. Just let it cool. Well, see, it, it actually, I'm I'm getting ready to start classes back up here, so I'm I'm getting back into my professor brain, and and there's a there's a concept that I talk about in one of my classes called the anchoring bias. Uh, which is essentially a bias that that all humans experience at some point or another, where mm-hmm. we tend to hold firmly to the first piece of information that we learn about a subject. And that kind of shapes how we see everything else about the subject after the fact. And to me, that's that's what this is, is this is anchoring bias. Mm-hmm. Once once the word is out that CM Punk is difficult and bossy and pushy. All things are now viewed through the lens of CM Punk being bossy and pushy and nitpicky. Um, so where an inter- you know, from the Jack Perry story is a great example, right? Like the the story that I read is that Jack Perry wanted to do a spot where he used real glass as opposed to candy glass, right? As opposed to to you know work with glass. <laughs> what? Yeah, <why? laughs> and Punk told him don't do that. That's a really bad idea. (laughs) Bad idea. And Jack Perry was like, but I want to now there obviously details are are missing there. Nobody, you know, nobody here in this conversation was there, but as that story was, was told, I'm thinking to myself, I can see why if you already think CM Punk is a bossy, pushy jerk, you would see, you would hear that story and go, see, he's a bossy, pushy jerk. But if you don't, think of CM Punk as a bossy, pushy jerk. You hear that story and go, well, yeah, why the fuck would you use real glass? That's, that is dumb. You know, I think at this point, so many people expect CM Punk to be a certain way that when you hear stories, they, they, they insert that right. As far as the Ryan Nemeth things go, uh, thing goes again, the story that I heard is that, you know, Punk pulled him aside and said, Hey man, stop doing this shit because you know like he he, nemeth sent out a tweet where he called punk the softest man alive right and punk called him out and was like hey man what the fuck and they hashed it out and they're cool now 
right? From what I hear, the Christopher Daniels thing is simply a principle because Christopher Daniels was involved with brawl out with breaking up the fight. That's right. But he was not punished and Ace Steel was. And Punk thinks that's bullshit and says, hey, if Ace isn't allowed, then why the fuck would Christopher Daniels be allowed? That's right. Yeah. Again, it's a matter of how do you frame this? What eyes are you looking at this through? So I don't know if this is CM Punk doing anything so much as people wanting CM Punk to be doing these things because it fits the narrative they already have for the guy. That makes sense. No, I think does. Yeah. this is an appropriate, if an appropriate time ever to argue the glass spot is to carry a picture <laughs> of Nick Gage around with you. Just, he's, you know, like I want to do all these glass, but as, as he's talking, CM Punk just needs to hold the picture slowly up and be like, is this what you, you want to be? This is what you want to be. Yeah. <laughs> really? Or just showing the, what is it? The, from dark side of the ring that like yeah. five minutes where he tore open yeah, oh, and God. he wanted to go back, and they were like, "No, you, you're bleeding. You're going to die, Nick." Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It. I don't know. It's 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 tough because I know it's it coming from Punk's side. I guess if I could pick his side, um, it seems like. I mean, he's so old school and this and that. And it's like, what is, you know, I guess kind of, you know, Jim, to your credit, what is fiction? What is, you know, what is nonfiction? What is it's and that's he's very good at that. He's always mm-hmm. been very good at kind of blurring that um, and whatnot. But like, I mean, obviously now it's starting to come out that like the the brawl out at all out was a, clearly a very real thing mm-hmm. uh, and actually did happen after <laughs> God, how many months did we call it potentially at work? <laughs> like, oh yeah. No, I don't think so. That it mm. clearly seemed to have happened. So it's it's tough. It's it's and I think that's what also got him in trouble, if I'm not mistaken, kind of with WWE, where he was like, he Tom, I remember you kind of saying this, where it's like he thinks he's the best, so therefore he should be the, you know, the John Cena, the rock. It it only made sense to him. And that's what kind of ultimately got him in trouble. But yet they did push him for quite a, a while. And well, he had but, I mean, really he valid was, points. He was he was moving more merch than Cena was mm-hmm. at one point. Right. And, and so it's like, hey, yeah, I can understand his argument there. No, it's just he's just had a polarizing view, as I think is. And it's just you got to take everything he kind of does, not with a grain of salt, but cautiously, I guess. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see who God knows who he's going to, you know, <laughs> piss off at this point. But um, I think I can generally say all three of us were pissed off with uh, we'll, we'll round out the clickbait with quite possibly the worst episode of AEW all three of us have ever seen. Oh, I, I think I almost, I almost tried with you guys to be like, wait, but and I was like, no, no. And I like <laughs> slapped my hand and went, that was terrible. Like, stop <laughs> defending this episode. But Wow, guys, I think that was their 200th episode, too. It was uh, what it was billed with as. Uh, and like, uh, man, uh, it was it was just failure after failure after failure. And we may get to this. And I've read uh, the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre thing. And Jesus I'm like, I, terrible. 
But it was a I massacre, hope, all right. It was. <laughs> but, but I guess they like worked like I guess like AEW signed a deal with them because of the game that's coming out that they got like yeah. over like I think it was just a hundred thousand dollars. And I'm like, yeah. that, granted, that doesn't seem like a lot, but in I think wrestling world, like that's something. So at well, least silver lining, silver lining. This is, this is the one silver lining I'll give you about dynamite, right? Is that they, they made a hundred thousand dollars for that sponsorship and they donated a hundred percent of it to the wildfire victims in Hawaii. So right. silver lining, hey. it was a massive, fantastic pile of shit. Oh, but it gave a hundred thousand dollars to this relief yeah. effort in, in uh, Hawaii. So, you know, yeah, but it doesn't excuse the fact that uh, it was top to bottom, T to B, quite, it was the worst thing I think I've seen in a long time oh, from AEW. Tom, horrific. start us off. What? what? <laughs> start you over with how bad I thought it was? Um, let's, let me, I want, I, want to save the worst, I want to save the worst part of the show for Jim because. <laughs> Well, we'll just we'll just save it for Jim. Now, I'm not I'm not a big horror buff. I used to live with uh, a guy who was a massive horror fanatic, and I, I just I grew sick of it. But one of my favorite movies of all time is The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original. And clearly, no one in that match watched that <laughs> film <laughs> because Leatherface came out like ooh, hands <laughs> up, and he chases. Chases Jeff Jarrett's wife away. But like if you it, the iconic scene in, in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, for those who have been living under a rock and haven't seen it, but there's that beautiful sunrise where he's whipping the chainsaw in circles and he's screaming and everything. And I did they try they like barely tried to mimic it, but they were just like, I don't I've never seen this movie before. Just go out there and look scary. <laughs> it was just a disaster of a match. It honestly there's because of uh, my love of professional wrestling, there's very few times I've ever turned it off. And this was one of them. I was mm-hmm. just like, this is the fucking stupidest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it was it was almost on par with. And you know what? I was I'll even say it and, and we can debate this. It was on par with RoboCop showing up in WCW. <laughs> That's what that was. Pretty bad. I I'm all for gimmicky matches. I think, I think if they're done correctly, they're fun. They're enjoyable. Lucha underground did that masterfully. This was, it was just confusing. And, and you saved that for the last, that was, that was the big hoorah. Mm -hmm. And, and time and time we said it, why is Jeff Jarrett on my screen? Why is Jay Mm -hmm. lethal not on my screen? Why are we watching Jeff Jarrett, this old Putz, who's never probably seen the movie, <laughs> just bleeding all over the place. Like, what the hell is going on? Mm-hmm. And, and then to top it off, and Mike, I'll, I'll throw it your way. We finally got it, guys. We've been asking for it. We got Joker Sting. <laughs> and who's who's this asked, we that's been asking for yeah, it? That's yeah, what I, I need to fucking know. We're, we're all dying on this ship, guys. Because <laughs> I have cards to write to it, people who are involved. I in don't that. even know, like, if anybody saw that in TNA, it is it, that is the most painful thing I've ever think I've ever seen Sting do. And even main event mafia Sting is pretty bad. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's it's bad. And like, I don't know who on earth in AEW was like, hey, you know what we haven't seen yet? Well, we're, we we all saw the bleach blonde Sting. We're never going to see that ever again. Let's bring back Joker Sting. 
Huh? <laughs> I didn't get a good enough run. I'm. It, 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 it's it's no secret. Jim, Mike, and I are, are huge comic nerds as well. And why are what what are you doing? And also too, like I don't want to get his personal faith involved. He's mimicking a psychopath, and the dude's like super religious, and he's like trying to mimic the Joker, but in the most like PG PG thirteen. Like he's worse than Caesar Romero. When he would, because like I was, I will fully admit when he, he, he first started talking to Nana, I was like, okay. Cause he was like, buddy. And I'm like, okay, weird. I can get to this. And when the minute he like folded his face in, I went, oh my fucking oh. God. Like he, because that's the thing. It's like, he's, he was doing Cesar Romero Joker. Uh, is and i I was like this is who the fuck knows this except maybe (laughs) us in like uh, that's what i'm saying like maybe but like this is what drives me nuts and i don't from everything that i've ever heard about staying being in AEW, it was a like not an appearance thing but it was strictly a Every once in a while, like a taker deal every once in a while, but more behind the scenes. What the fuck is happening? Like, <laughs> I, I've never been through this entire run. Be like, man, you know what I want to see more of staying. Mm-hmm. And I do not understand. I don't know if he has creative control or Tony Khan is just that like, oh, my God. Sure. You're staying, man. Like it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. And mm-hmm. I, I really think this could actually sink the product quite a bit. And I really hope that was just a weird one-off. I, but oof, yeah. Jim, I, it, uh, well, cause I mean, the, even the yeah. match they have him going into Darby and sting against AR Fox and Swerve Strickland. One of these things does not fucking belong in that lineup. Like AR Fox and Swerve against Darby Allen and a fucking mop would be a brilliant fucking match, right? They've downgraded from a mop to Sting. Like Sting has no business in the ring with those fucking guys. No business whatsoever at this point in his career as Joker Sting or as any other. But, yeah, they're going to ride the Joker Joker Sting for a while just because, well, what else are we going to do? It's just so it. Tom, you mentioned save the worst for me. And and here's my transition into the worst. Right. The, The Joker Sting is sloppy and not thought out. And when I think of sloppy and not thought out, only one thing comes to my mind, and that is Chris Jericho. Uh, <laughs> the segment with Chris Jericho and Don Callis was fucking dumb because for weeks, Don Callis has been courting Chris Jericho and trying to get him to come in. And Chris Jericho says, yes, but Don Callis was expecting him to say no and was already ready with a backstab in case he said no. And apparently there was at no point in time where Don Callis could have called off the attack. And so they end up. So, so Don Callis and, and Kanosuke Takeshita end up attacking Chris Jericho. And then who comes out, but will Osprey 
Why the fuck is Will Ospreay getting involved in this at all? What the fuck does he have anything to do with this? It was just a way to set up the worst possible fucking match for Wembley Stadium. Chris Jericho versus Will Ospreay. And, you know, I I worry about us, guys. I worry about our power because it was a couple of weeks ago that we were joking. Yep. Joking about, oh, my God, Mm -hmm. please don't let this be something that anyone would ever think of. And here we are. Chris Jericho against Will Will Ospreay, one of the most amazing acrobatic technical wrestlers alive today against a bag of pudding. (laughs) that's what we're kidding (laughs) and i think the only way this could be a worse match is what i saw somebody wrote right on twitter they said i swear to god if chris jericho comes out at wembley as pain maker i'm going to the bathroom and not coming back (laughs) i think the only way to make jericho versus osprey worse is if jericho decides he needs to be the pain maker fuck you fuck all the way off no one wants to see this match. It is going to be an absolute epic shit show, but Chris Jericho is going to try and pretend like that's the reason that Wembley Stadium sold yeah. out because he's a fucking unrealistic, narcissistic dickwad who's just a poor man's impression of Hulk Hogan's ego at this point in his career. And Will Ospreay is an amazing fucking talent that could put on a better match with literally anyone else on that roster. Fuck Will Ospreay versus Keith Lee. Will Ospreay versus Malachi Black. Will Ospreay versus fucking Thunder Rosa. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) Literally anyone who works for aid. (laughs) Will Ospreay versus Giovanni Ribisi. Anybody who works for AEW could have a better fucking match than Chris Jericho. So it's just, it was so sloppy. They're just ham fisting it in there. And it's just, I, I calling it now, it's going to be the worst match of the fucking night. Oh, it's going to be you kind of Osprey like carrying the entire match. I was just going to say, I was like, that's what we're going to see. And I'm like, thank God for that. I guess Jim, you mentioned this earlier, you know, the silver lining. (laughs) Uh, is that at least thank God will Osprey will look like amazing because he'll carry the match. But the, that's my biggest gripe about this is, is the fact that Jericho is going to be like, Oh, look what I did. He's going to make it hit and it not about will Osprey, which is fucking ridiculous. And I could actually even see at this point, just given the amount of buildup and the way it's going, Jericho is going over Osprey. I can't better fucking not. Oh, I, will I, I see it, yeah, it, but I could see it, and it's in it, Wembley. Yep, really, man. Yep. I don't know, dude. He's got Tony Khan's ear, etc. Will Osprey shows up every once in a while. <sighs> if Will shows up permanent, not permanently, but has more of a, a presence, then yes, I could see Will going over. I almost dollars to donuts. Jericho's going over. I I just don't understand who these guys and I mean I know it's Jericho a lot of it's Jericho but who are these guys that are like just clamoring for like what if dream matches and it's like yes I would have loved to seen if we could have a time machine Bret Hart versus Daniel Bryan of course I would who wouldn't but now it would be dangerous it would be scary and it would be just downright terrible and thank God Bret Hart has enough common sense to be like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm done wrestling. I no, 
especially after that one WrestleMania, he came back. He was like, absolutely not. And I, we, I think we'll, we've said it until we're blue in the face. Chris Jericho needs to hang it up. And whether it's full-time wrestling and he's just creative control backstage. Okay. I can live with that, but get, get him the fuck off of my television. Get, stop pushing people. Uh, stop pushing him over people who deserve to be pushed. And like, I, I hate this ideology of like, well, legends bring, you know, money in and stuff. And yeah, absolutely. Edge, Edge will Edgewood. Uh, I would, I hate to even say it. Goldberg would draw viewership because that's just a shocking name that would draw viewership. Chris Jericho has been there for years. Trish, Chris Jericho hasn't stopped wrestling like ever. Mm-hmm. It's time to hang it up. Like nobody wants you around. Like period. Well, plus edge edge can still go. Edge is yeah, still in shape. Yeah. Edge is still like his quality of work has not dropped off. Like fucking Chris Jericho's has. Jericho's like, oh man, I, I, I drink too many Jack and Cokes on the road. I better hit the treadmill. <laughs> well, 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 wasn't I, this episode of, obviously we're talking about a dyne or wow. AEW's AEW most recent, dynamite. AEW's dynamite from the past week. But wasn't that also, he called out that JAS that was the the week before. Oh, right? God. It was okay. The Maybe week I before was he called up, out JAS. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I thought it was this episode, and I'm like, Jesus Christ! That crowd was like, Can this please end? Yeah. Like it, it that was crowd so was dead as a fucking doornail. Like it took like I think Daniel Garcia doing his little hip dance to like actually <laughs> get him to like do something. I thought it was this episode, but it, it, stop, please yeah, yeah. stop, just stop at this point. Yeah. You're never going to establish wrestlers if you don't push younger talent. You, this that 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 idea of oh well Jericho, we, you need the rub from Jericho. Will Osprey does not need that. Like Will Osprey has like he's a great example of that. That dude is a like not a household name, but he's a name that everybody knows because of how good his work has been. And he hasn't he hasn't needed a, a massive company behind him to do it, bruv. <laughs> well, and yeah, right. I said it before, it's worth saying again. Action Andretti. If you want to come at me with this, Chris Jericho is going to let younger guys get over. Action fucking Andretti. The, all the only two words I need to say. Poor Action Andretti. Future Paul Flamer, Action Andretti. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I think it's a, it's a good transition into something I guess we were able to pull out of this week is uh, match the week. Um, and uh, I shit, I'll go. I'll go first. Uh, I think it's going to be sweet, short, um, was uh, actually involved. It wasn't Ricky Starks, uh, but it was Big Bill versus a jobber. But goddamn that that beautiful promo of just look at me, Ricky Starks. Mm -hmm. Uh, He -hmm. comes out now, all of a sudden he's got big bill. Yes. (laughs) Give me like a cocky, good looking dude. Who's got that behemoth behind him. Who's, who's starting to figure out, you know, exactly what he does. 
I'm I'm in all day. And it's it it it's nice to see that they're finally paying attention to Ricky Starks and I think what he needs. And I feel like this is going to be a nice slow burn, uh, which will let whatever, you know, Adam Cole and and all that uh and whatnot play out. Uh uh and yeah, so I just, it'll be fun uh, to see, but that was my match of the week. Short, sweet, go, go watch the Ricky Starks little movie. The manager, oh, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Ricky Starks, the manager, his, his, his little promo, I guess if you want to call it that. And then big bill squash. And then he gets on the mic and like, it, I, just pay attention to Ricky Starks. It's great. He's playing his role perfectly. Big bill is playing his role perfectly. I love where this is going. Uh, guys, did you see it? It was short and sweet, oh, yeah. but goddamn, was it good? No, it's a good, it's a good building block, right? It's you're right. And there's nothing about the match itself that was, you know, spectacular, but like as a way to build Ricky Stark's character and to build Big Bill, absolutely. I, I thought it was well executed. Uh, I I totally agree. I I think um Mike, I think you said it perfectly. I think they finally understand what to do with Ricky Starks. And it's, I hope it is a slow burn because I know AEW has a tendency to kind of rush things a little bit or just like a one-off. Yep. Um, Big Bill too. You've been, you've been speaking pretty highly of him lately mm-hmm. and I've been enjoying that, you know, um, watching him kind of figure out his craft, uh, which also, by the way, we didn't uh, mention um, Captain Dipshit is over in New Japan, his uh, former tag team partner. Uh, I really wanted the to get The real that. one? The real one. Not the fake one, the real one, Enzo. <laughs> uh, but that's all we need to say about him. Uh, Wouldn't it be great to see Hideo Itami beat the living shit out of him? See Kenta just like beat the fuck out of Enzo Amore. I, I, I want to see every every person that like hits hard, like uh, <laughs> Suzuki. I want to see Suzuki versus Enzo. I want to see Shibata versus Enzo. That, Suzuki that kid, would that, literally murder him. <laughs> what about um, Ishii, the Stone Pitbull? Oh, God. <laughs> Remember, Enzo Mori is the guy who's knocked himself out repeatedly in the ring. <laughs> so imagine what fucking and strong style would do to him. I know I would pay all of the money in the world to see him just try to try to like get a receipt on Kenta. That would just, <laughs> nothing would make me happier. I'm not even going to say what I wanted to say. Like, that would be, yeah, <laughs> give me that. I'm comfortable with that. That would expose you to criminal uh, proceedings, Mike, if you say what you were wanting to have. <laughs> well, Tom, what was it? What was your match of the week? What did you get? Well, uh, it was, it was, I, I had a tough time deciding, actually. I know Mike was, Mike was kind of uh, scrapping there for a little bit. I finally decided I have to give it to him because I think he deserves it. And I think he, will, he won't ever be mentioned again for a match of the week. Uh, it's Ed versus Sheamus. I, wow. I really liked it. I, I thought it was simple. It was uh, no run-ins, no stupid storyline to like, oh, here come the, the brutes and, you know, or whatever is faction is. What, the brawling, brawling brutes? brutes? The brawling brutes. Like, here comes Pete Dunn. He'll turn Pete Dunn, which whatever I would mean, I'd be great for, but um, I thought it was, it was, it was a good throwback to when they first, you know, met each other, simple story, good wrestling. That's it. Uh, mm-hmm. My, my close, my close second was uh, Ray Phoenix and commander. Uh, God damn. Those guys are nuts. unreal. Yeah. Um, 
it would just reminding me of WCW, uh, the heyday of WCW watching the, the just two cruiserweights, just, you know, and to open a show like that, mm-hmm. uh, God, Phoenix does that running punt on the ropes and it's just, God damn, it's, it, it's so good. He's, <laughs> that I was I rampage, really, right? Yeah, it was yeah, rampage. rampage. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And so I, great, great matches, uh, you know, on, on Friday for sure. Jim, what, what do you got, man? Uh, I actually edge and Sheamus was my, my runner up because oh, nice, kind of nice. what you mentioned is I, I thought, you know, great send off for edge. Um, yeah. you know, it was, it was not a barn burner, but it was a good solid wrestling match and, and good for edge. Good for him. It, was, it was weird to yeah, see a wrestling match in WWE. Right? No shit. <laughs> <laughs> but coincidentally, my my winner this week for match of the week is uh, Edge's old friend Christian Cage against Darby Allen. Whoa. Uh, I thought that was a great match. I had a it lot of fucking fun with that match. Um, I thought there were some amazing spots. Darby obviously does shit that's like, wait, what's wrong with you? Why would you do that? Um, and again, Christian Cage is up there in the years, right? He's a seasoned vet but can still fucking go man. And he gets the ring psychology and the storytelling. And I, I just, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I loved it. I love that Christian cage comes out in a turtleneck. Uh, I just, I, just okay. I, I, I had a lot of fun with that Amazing. match. Um, I, I wish there was less Luchasaurus involvement in the match. Uh, but uh, on the whole, yeah, I thought, I thought they did a really good job. Yeah. I saw that match, Jim. And I was thinking, I'm like, like, God damn, like, it's a good match. Like mm-hmm. Christian's really like this cat can roll. Like, yep. you yep. know, like he, he still got it. It, 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 it. And I think what keyed me in most about that uh, with you, Jim, with the match is that it was a good story. You could tell like, and that's where I think that's what I, I really wish some of these, the veterans, I guess, if that's what you want to call them is would just help teach that story. You know, that it was there and it was it was there, whether this is a runoff, you know, you know, they've had run ins in the past. Christian helped tell a really good fucking story. Um, side note, it was the the only reason it probably wasn't my match of the week. My Internet connection cut out for some odd reason and I it dropped the last five minutes of the match. And it, I couldn't get it to work for like 20 minutes. And I was like, ah, fuck this. And I just, like, I gave up. And I, so I didn't know the end. And obviously I, you know, I know the end of the match now, but it, it, if it, I could have watched it all the way through. Cause I was like, it, it, it to Christian's credit, I was like, this is going to suck. This is pretty good. This is actually really good. Mm-hmm. I got to see how this is going to end. And like, that's, that's good shit, man. So I don't know, Tom, what were, absolutely. What were your thoughts? Did you, end, did you see I it? Think was, was, yeah, oh yeah. The, the end was by far my favorite. Mm-hmm. It was cause, cause Darby wins and Chris oh, really? just like wrestled the belt from him. <laughs> you didn't see it. You didn't see the ending, Mike. I didn't. I told you, I said my inner, I couldn't, and I just never got a chance yeah. to watch it Darby again. Won, but Christian Cage basically like ripped the title from him and just was like, nah, this is mine. Yeah, just beat the shit out of him. Pummel them, and 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 it's just like it's that like you guys said that old school heel just his, his he knows the psychology so well uh, that yeah that was oh that was marvelous and and to the to the why wouldn't Edge want to come to that you know what I mean right? where Christian's kind of finding his groove and could be like mm-hmm. Edge here's the groove here look at what we could do like I. I wouldn't be opposed to that. You and know that guy's having so much fun. 
you Rob, know he's oh having God. fun. If, if oh, they do, if they do like a five minute pose, like, but like as complete <laughs> fucking assholes, I'm in. You know what I mean? Because the five second pose was goofy and was fun. Great. But like, if they do it in a way where it's like it, I don't know how they would do it, but it just very like what Christian's doing, or uh, yeah, Kristen Cage uh, is doing is just this horror. And, and it, how he's finding the way it works is just brilliant. And I, I think if he can loop edge in on that, it it would be, excuse me, it would be great. It really bottom line, though. So, Jim, give us your spotlight or or, or however you want to introduce us to your spotlight, please. So for our spotlighted wrestler this week, uh, I chose a wrestler that reminds me yet again why I fucking hate Hulk Hogan. Um, For those of you who are in the younger demographic, you may only think that Hulk Hogan is hateable because he's a racist egomaniac. When in reality, for those of us who have aged more of a fine wine like myself, we remember that Hulk Hogan's original sin was destroying the territory wrestling scene. Uh, Hulk Hogan was the reason that Vince McMahon was able to destroy the territories and become a national brand. And there are a lot of phenomenal wrestlers that were territory darlings that got fucked over uh, with the conglomeration and the, the, the kind of everything coagulating underneath WWF. And uh, the spotlighted wrestler this week is, in my opinion, one of the worst cases of getting fucked over by the lo- the territories falling apart. Hmm. Uh, I'll give you guys a couple couple of of hints right and see see if see what you come up with here number one he never won he he never won the wwf or wcw heavyweight title number two his legacy in wrestling is today considered one of the most powerful legacies in the modern era And number three, he was both a four horseman and a bitter rival of the four horsemen. Any guesses? I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but I'm just curious. Man, you're so Um, good at at the swerve, Jim. I, (laughs) I, the way you started, I was like, oh my God, is he really going to do macho man? No, no, that's too easy. No. Yeah, that was, and then, and then you said the territory stuff and I was like, uh, is it Barry Windham? It is Barry fucking Windham. How did you do that? That was my. I was gonna just say it was Barry Windham. I was God like Jim damn. Barry Windham. I like, fucking yes. God I damn, love oh. me some Barry Clinton Windham. How can you not love Barry I, exactly. fucking Windham? Uh, to oh. me, he is one of the greatest unsung heroes of professional wrestling. Uh, yeah, Barry Windham never held the WWF or WCW world heavyweight titles. Uh, Again, his legacy today, he is the namesake 
of Wyndham Rotunda, better known as Bray Wyatt, as well as the uncle yep. of Bray Wyatt and the uncle of Bo Dallas. And yes, was both a member of the Four Horsemen and a bitter rival to the Four Horsemen. Uh, so God yeah, damn. I am a huge Barry Wyndham fan. Uh, I, I have been since I was a kid. Uh, and like I said, I think he gets lost in the sauce a lot, which is unfortunate because he was so fucking good uh in his heyday so beginning of his career uh barry windham is a second generation wrestler which some people are aware of uh he was the son of black jack mulligan uh and he was trained by both his father and harley race oh my god so, yeah right Whoa. if you, <laughs> you want to talk about getting off to a great fucking yeah. start uh trained trained by the the master of the heart punch uh and the master of the pile driver uh i just fucked me running that's yeah, that's good hands there yeah that's how you start your career Jesus. Um, he started his career in the NWA Florida territory. And for many people, oh. Barry Windham is synonymous with the Florida territories because that's where he spent a significant amount of his career. And that's where a lot of his biggest accolades came yep. from. Uh, very early on in his career in NWA Florida, uh, he was put into a tag team with Mike Rotunda, who you may know as irs uh who you also may know as the father of window rotunda the father of bray wyatt and the father uh, of also a uh a formidable member of the nwo that is true that is true when he was vk wall, wall street. street yes he was he was in fact a very formidable member of the oh black God, and white. Dude, his, it was like the most like here comes fucking mid card sorry jim it just like, Poor Mike I vividly Rotunda. remember. Yeah, I know. I was like, God damn, this Mike fucking Rotunda. And it's like so much better. <laughs> like, uh. So, yeah. So, so Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda, who are brother in law, uh, brothers in law, Mike Rotunda is married to Barry Windham's sister. Uh, for those keeping score at home. Uh, so they were tag team partners in NWA Florida very early on in their careers. Um, and very early on in his career, he actually was signed. They were both signed to WWF uh, as the U.S. Express. Uh, and this wow. is one of the things that, yeah, one of the things about both Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda that, that just tickles me pink is <laughs> that for a lot of people, Mike Rotunda is only known as IRS. But the mm -hmm. the career he had before that, he's I mean that he was part of the varsity club. He was he yeah. did he, he was captain Mike Rotunda. He had so many great runs in the territories before he got to WWF. And Barry Windham, very similar, right? He he's he's known for really stupid gimmicks he was given, but he was a great wrestler before that. So the U.S. Express comes into the WWF, and in fact, they are the WWF Tag Team Champions going into the very first WrestleMania. So Barry Windham Whoa. is actually in the very first WrestleMania as one half of the U.S. Express, and they drop the titles there to Nikita, or excuse me, to I, uh, 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 Volkov and Iron Sheik. I don't know oh, why I kept uh, choking on that, but yeah, to, to <laughs> no, <laughs> Nikita shit, Volkov really? and the Iron Sheik. Uh, and so the U.S. Express lost the titles to the Russian and the Iranian because this was the 80s and it was the WWF. Yeah. Uh, 
Yep. So Makes sense. After a very short run in WWF, uh, Wyndham heads back to the Florida territories and there he picks up a monumental legendary rivalry with Ric Flair. Uh, Ric Flair, you know, people know was a 16 time world champion. And in, most of those were in the NWA, right? He was a multi-time NWA world champion. Uh, and when, uh, when Wyndham gets back to Florida, you know, he's got the wind at his back. He's got the momentum going with him. And so he's thrown into this, this feud, uh, with Ric Flair for the world title. Um, because of the success he had fighting against Flair in Florida, he gets picked up by Jim Crockett Promotions. Uh, Jim Crockett was probably considered to be one of the largest, uh, one of the biggest names in the territory days. And while in Jim Crockett Promotions, uh, Barry Windham continues his feud with Flair um, and is is. Uh, they have a series of, of, of matches that back in the old days we used to call Broadways, right? Which was 60 oh, yeah. minute draws, right? So it was known as just this real, like you had to be a workhorse, right? Uh, Flair and Steamboat had so many Broadway matches, right? Dusty would have Broadways, 60 minute draws. And Wyndham and Flair have a series of these Broadway matches throughout the Jim Crockett territories until finally, Barry Windham uh, is partnering with Lex Luger, uh, trying to take on the horseman until one fateful day when Barry Windham turns on Lex Luger to join the four horsemen. Uh, one of the great heel turns uh, in, in, in wrestling history, in my mind. He was a white hot baby face going up against Flair. He turns on his partner to become a member of the Horsemen. And when he does that, he starts donning the black glove that his father made uh, famous yeah. as one of the blackjacks uh, and yep. starts using the iron claw uh, as well. So completes the heel turn by acknowledging his roots, acknowledging his heritage as the son of a blackjack. Uh, after some successful years in, in the Jim Crockett territories, he gets picked up in the WWF under the moniker, the Widowmaker. Uh, now, <laughs> despite, wow. despite wow. the name, right? Despite the name and the fact that it's the 80s, he's still just really Barry Windham, right? He, I mean, it wasn't a gimmick. It was just a stupid name. They didn't call him Barry Windham. They just called him the Widowmaker, but he was just fucking Barry Windham. Uh, that doesn't last long. He doesn't stick around in, in, in Connecticut very long before he heads down to Atlanta, Georgia. And gets picked up by WCW. And while in WCW, they throw him back into the Horseman. Flair and the Andersons are, are there already. So they bring him back into the Horseman. Yep. Um, and it is around this time that Ric Flair is unceremoniously fired uh, by Jim Hurd in WCW. It was a very famous kind of backstage uh, power play between Jim Hurd, who was not a wrestling guy, and Ric Flair. Uh, Flair gets fired from WCW, and when this happens, the company decides to make Barry Windham a singles wrestler and really push the shit out of him, which they do. Uh, Barry Windham gets a really nice push. He doesn't get to the title. Like you said, he never got the WCW belt, uh, but he has a lot of big wins under his belt. And he getting a lot of momentum as a singles guy until a young up and comer uh, joins the ranks of the company. And they do, the company decides that he needs a mentor in the ring. And so they pa uh, they pair Barry Windham up into a tag team with a young man by the name of Dustin Rhodes. 
Wow. Barry Windham and the natural Dustin Rhodes uh, have a pretty successful tag team until eventually uh, the another major faction starts making its way and making its impact known. And that was a faction we've already talked about a couple times in a couple different spotlights. Uh, and that was the Dangerous Alliance led by Paul E. Dangerously, uh, along with Rick Rude. Larry Zbysko, Steve Austin, uh, Bobby Eaton, et cetera, et cetera. So Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes are feuding with the Dangerous Alliance for for quite a while, uh, trying to work through the Dangerous Alliance, which was a formidable task because there were a lot of them and they were all really good. Until eventually, uh, as was the way with the old WCW, they just kind of forget that, that was going on and move him into a different direction. And Barry Windham starts chasing after the singles title. He starts going for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, which was at the time held by a young man by the name of the Great Muda. Uh, the Great Muda at this point in WCW is one of my favorite fucking wrestlers. Uh, <laughs> wow. Early WCW Muda is just. So fucking beautiful to watch. Oh, oh man, it's absolute poetry. It's oh, absolute poetry so to watch him. The way he would throw elbow drops, that. the cartwheel, uh, cartwheel into the corner, just fucking amazing. Uh, and at Super Brawl three, Barry Windham gets his shot uh, at the NWA World Heavyweight Championship against the Great Buddha. And he wins it. So Barry Windham wins the biggest title of his career at Super Bowl three. He becomes the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Um, very shortly thereafter, Ric Flair returns to the company and starts feuding with uh, Barry Windham because, hey, it's worked very well in the past. Let's do it again. Uh, but unfortunately, Barry Windham suffers some massive knee injuries during that program and is forced to take extended absences. Uh, he, he hurts one knee and leaves to have surgery. He comes back and hurts his other knee and has oh, to leave man. to have surgery. Uh, and it is during that second recovery time that he is released from WCW and returned to WWF. Now, wow. as I said, unfortunately, People like Mike Rotunda are predominantly remembered for their horrible fucking gimmicks they're given in WWF. <laughs> and this is where Barry Windham gets to the fucking short end of the stick on gimmicks. When he returns to WWF, Barry Windham is asked to paint his face in camo, wear full camouflage gear, including a like sleeveless t-shirt, camo cargo pants, all this kind of stuff. And he is known as the stalker. Basically, he's he's a hunter of humans, right? Is essentially <laughs> this gimmick that he has given. And it goes oh, over like man. a lead fucking balloon because he's bearing with him. He doesn't need a fucking gimmick. You just let the guy go in there and beat the shit out of people. Right? Oh, my God. Yep. <laughs> but the most notable, because, again, this is the 90s and we're talking about WWF. The most notable what the fuck moment of the stalker era is when creative pitches a feud between the stalker who's played by Barry Windham, who, if you guys aren't aware is a tall blonde white man and Mark Marrow, who is known as the wild man who is a black man. So in other words, WWF creative pitched a storyline. Oh God. Where a white man who hunts humans is hunting a wild black man. Hmm. Oddly oh enough, 
Mark Marrow vetoed that storyline and wouldn't do it. Uh, I can't imagine why. Mark Mark. Weird. <laughs> can't imagine why Mark Marrow wouldn't want to be involved in that. Uh, and so that storyline never makes it to fruition. And as a result, WWF decides, we, okay, well, we need to repackage Barry Windham then. And so they repackage him as one half of the new blackjacks obviously building off the fact that barry windham is the son of a legitimate blackjack he's a legitimate son of blackjack mulligan and they pair him up with a young talent named justin hawk bradshaw and decide that they're going to come up with a story that justin bradshaw is the son of blackjack lanza He's not. They're no fucking relation whatsoever. <laughs> but they gave they gave Bradshaw the the mustache and the black glove and the hat. And so the new blackjacks yep. are are formed. That also does not catch a lot of traction, does not get a lot of steam. And so again, Barry Windham leaves WWF, heads back to WCW, just in time to join the West Texas Rednecks. Now, I don't know if you guys remember the West Texas Rednecks, but they are most famous for the hit single Rap is Crap, as led by faction leader Kurt Hennig. Basically, the West Texas Rednecks is crap. (laughs) The West Texas Rednecks basically existed just to feud with the filthy animals, uh, just to feud with Billy Kidman, Conan, and Rey Mysterio. Uh, And Holy fuck, was it terrible? Uh, I will say the one good thing about that storyline is that they had the country bumpkins as the heels. Because uh, you would expect a company like WCW to make the rap group the heels. Uh, but no, no, it was it was the country, the West Texas Rednecks that were the heels there. Um, Wyndham's time in WCW for this last run is really kind of char- uh, uh, characterized by being uh, Kurt Hennig's sidekick uh even when kurt hennig joins nwo barry windham is still somehow his sidekick uh still just kind of along for the ride next to kurt hennig uh, but that doesn't last long eventually he's released from wcw and he goes back to the territories and that is where he finishes out his career is working back on the the remaining independent territories that exist including some time in the worldwide wrestling council of puerto rico uh in 2011 uh barry windham is hospitalized for un kind of rumored uh medical conditions but not confirmed medical issues uh and then in late 2022 barry windham is hospitalized again uh this time very severely lots of concern uh people very worried about barry and and he's kind of dropped off the radar since we're not entirely sure uh, what Barry is up to now, how his health is doing, but it is, uh, yeah, it is safe to say probably not great. So uh, kind of important that we talk about Barry now because we, you know, we could be losing him any minute. Um, throughout his career, Barry Windham won multiple titles and accolades that I, I think are worth mentioning. He was the NWA world champ, as I mentioned, defeating the great Muda, which is pretty fucking big feather in your cap. Uh, he was the NWA New England champ. He was the two-time NWA Southern champ. He was the NWA U.S. champ. He won just about every title that the NWA Florida Territory had multiple times over. He was the WCW Tag Team Champion four different times with four different partners, which is, I think, pretty fucking impressive. That's amazing. 
he was the world. He was the WCW TV champ. He was a two-time WWF tag team champion. In 1982, the PWI named him the most improved wrestler. In 1993, he was number eleven on the PWI list. So think about that. From 1982, most improved to 1993, number eleven. That's that's a hell of a fucking run, right? Uh, the Wrestling Observer named him the Rookie of the Year in 1980, and they gave him Match of the Year for one of his matches with Ric Flair in 1986. So he had a hell of a career. He had a long career, but as I mentioned at the beginning, never won WWF uh, world title, never won the WCW world title, which leads me to a question I want to ask you guys. One of my favorite kind of what if games or debates to have with the wrestling community is who are the greatest wrestlers to never win the WWF or WCW world titles, right? You got the obvious, the Owen Hart's, right? You, you have the, the, you know, Kurt Hennig, right? You have the Scott Halls. So I wanted to ask you guys, for me, Barry Windham is in the top five of wrestlers who never won the WCW or WWF title. Who else do you think? are some of the greatest wrestlers to never win WWF or WCW world title. Rick Rude. He was WCW champ. He was, was yeah, he? WCW champ. Mm-hmm. Was he? Okay. Mm-hmm. Should have been WWF champ for sure. Right. Uh, Jake the Snake. Mm-hmm. Uh, is definitely on the list. Um, I, well... I want I mean, to say he, Roddy. Never, he, never, he won WCW, but Vader never won WWF, right? Yeah. He was supposed to, but Shawn Michaels fucked him over. Yeah, Shawn Michaels yeah. Mm-hmm. piece of shit. Well, and that's where it's like Roddy, uh, Rowdy, yeah. Piper. Oh, Piper. Rowdy. Yeah, Piper. He was Intercontinental what? Champion for like a hot second, but that guy oh, should have like been. Three weeks, I think. Yeah, if that. Um, Henning is always, he's, uh, he's yeah. like number one. Kurt he's, Henning he's, and Scott Hall to me are just it's it's, it's unconscionable how yeah. those two are never champs. Yep. Rick uh Rick Martel. Yeah, good one. Oh wow, yeah. Very good one. Uh DiBiase. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't think he yeah, Arn Anderson. Yep, Arn. Yeah. Which real quick is the reason why I knew the answer, because uh, I, I sent you that Arn Anderson clip of yeah. uh, that beautiful spine buster he did. But of course that led me down a rabbit hole and I'm watching old Ford horseman stuff. And I, I saw the, yep. the, the heel turn, uh, the heel turn. And when, um, you know, he was fighting the, the four horsemen. Yeah. So, so I, again, if, if you get the chance, right, he, he won the match of the year in 1986 match against flair. And, and if you watch, go on YouTube and you can watch any of these matches, just Google Ric Flair, Barry Windham. Oh. They, I mean, they were putting on some fucking bangers, oh, yeah. um, you know, and it's, it look, it's very different storytelling. It's very different wrestling style from what you're used to in modern era, but it's still so fucking good and it's still relatable. And again, so many people don't think of Barry Windham as as one of those top guys. Watch his shit with with Ric Flair, and there's no debating it. There's no arguing. Barry uh, Windham is is one of the best. You know who's always kind of reminded me of Barry Windham, and it, interesting to see what you guys are going to think. But uh, Chris Hero, oh. yeah, 
yeah, yeah, I can see that for sure. Always yeah. kind of reminded me of Barry Window, and I'm like, yeah. he's it, and it's just like, God damn, man. Because if you look at him when he was Cassius Ono, yeah, when he was supposed to like lead, I think it was right, Tom. Didn't you the think shield? he was supposed to lead the yeah, the shield yeah, or, yeah, or yeah, the, shield. The, the Onus or the Nexus or whatever it was? <laughs> Nexus. Um, he's we know he's wearing his cowboy boots, and he looks like Barry fucking when I was like, mm-hmm. holy shit, that's Barry Windham, and. He just obviously like, you know, I think he has a thyroid problem, uh, mm-hmm. which it it very hard for him to control his weight. But I don't know. Just always thought Chris Hero was That's a really good comparison, Mike. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. have thought of that, but that makes a lot of sense actually. It doesn't it? It like, yeah. in a weird way, but man, yeah. God, Barry Windham. I Master of both the Iron Claw and the Heart Punch. The it's hard to do punch. both of those in one career, let me tell you. Right? Him, but him like and- the the flare feuds, yeah. like you said, Jim, are just absolutely legendary. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's well, classic. Yeah. It's classic territory wrestling where mm-hmm. the NWA champ Flair comes in and faces this like upstart. Mm-hmm. It's Who's that's your top part, baby face. In your exactly. Yep. It's oh my god! But then that that goddamn that turn mm-hmm. he does with Luger, it's so good, and it's that's the four horsemen that actually a lot of people remember. Yeah. Is a lot of people want to say it's what it's Flair Arn. Tully. Tully and um Ollie. Um yeah. Oli, what yeah. whatever. Oh, but a yeah. lot of people say that like their four horsemen for the longest time was uh what Flair, Arn, Wyndham, and um Tully. Tully. Yep, absolutely. That's that's my my favorite iteration of the horsemen is is exactly that one. Is with Wyndham, Blanchard, and Arn Anderson and Ric Flair. I that's to me best best uh, four horsemen iteration well that's strange because mine's with mongo mcmichael (laughs) (laughs) i thought you were gonna go with sid justice (laughs) no no i I mean yes of course it is because remember sid was in the horseman for like 38 seconds yeah yeah the the fact that like the the territory days are some of the like best wrestling period Mm. and also some of the weirdest and like wildest like wrestling period no so what so how did i guess like are you when when you were referring to hogan yeah now are you just talking about basically how him and and vince basically that was the demise of the territory days yeah when when hogan when when hogan signed with wwf remember he left the awa on very bad terms he fucked over the awa Mm -hmm. on the way out the door and and if it wasn't for Hogan, Vince would not have been able to build the WWF into what it was. And so really Hulk Hogan was the catalyst that killed the territories. Yeah. Um, and so again, not only is he a racist egomaniac, he's also a dickhead businessman. So <laughs> fuck Hulk Hogan. Did Wyndham ever wrestle Hogan? I'm sure they had a run in here oh, and there, yeah. but nothing, nothing that stands out. Yeah, nothing, yeah, nothing worth noting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nothing worth noting, yeah. Dude, Wyndham, wow. Wyndham was, oh God, I, when I was watching, which is so weird. I'm that's, I'm so glad that you picked him as a spotlight. Cause like, yeah, I was yeah. just literally like a couple of days ago, just watching tons of four horsemen stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just like, he is like unreal how good he mm-hmm. is. And just, I knowing that he was trained by Harley race. Yeah. Like that. When is, he could I sell. did not know that. 
That was one of my favorite things about Wyndham is his sell. He could sell so oh, fucking good for a big guy. Beautifully. Yeah, he was fantastic. He, and and too, like um the wasn't it when he did when he did t- turn heel, like at that time was like the worst thing in like not like the worst as in like the AEW show, but like yeah. people were legit irate. Oh yeah. Like, that oh, the he was ad was insane. Yeah, like he was so white hot babyface. Yep. Well, that's the, that's one of the things I loved about the territory days is it was I mean kayfabe was in its full fucking glory. Yeah, and fans would get legit fucking hot. <laughs> you know, well, you, you hear these stories from like Piper and everybody about how like you know how many times they've been stabbed on their way out of the oh, ring. Yeah. You know, <laughs> people filling like socks with batteries and just hitting them yeah. with them and stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, and that's, but I mean, that's just, ah, man. And I, I, I love or appreciate what AEW is trying to do is the fact that, you know, like the, obviously the days of, you know, what you guys just talked about is like, you have the one champ and he goes and you build up this baby face, et cetera. And like, that's devastating is, you know, when the, the white hot baby face suddenly turns heel and like, that's so gone. And like, Mm Man, I oh, I remember watching that and being like, holy shit. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was nuts. And it was just, it was, man, it good storytelling. And so I can see why some people, you know, get, get their, get their undies in a bunch, you know, with some of the new, uh, why they like some of this new, the way they're telling stories. You know, there's not this, there's no long game. There's no, you know, this, there's no buildup and whatnot. So I don't know. That's just, that's a whole nother rabbit hole, but. Jim, who, who would, who was on your list of, of wrestlers besides Barry Windham, number one champion? Uh, well, like I said, Owen, Scott Hall, um, mm-hmm. Kurt Hennig, Dean Malenko. Oh, Dean. Oh, that's a I good just, one. I, I, that, that, that motherfucker was too good to now win a world title. <laughs> and I know he was small, but I don't give a fuck. If Chris Benoit right. can win a world title, then so can Dean Malenko. Yep. Um, I think I would have loved to have seen Jushin Thunder Liger get a shot in WCW. Um, yep. They never brought him in in WWF, and thank God. But in oh, WCW, yeah. I think I would have loved to see him get a shot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think those are my major ones. Yeah. But then again, I've always liked the the smaller guys, you know. So I yeah, Perry Saturn, Saturn, yeah, another good one. I think another yeah. Jushin he beat up that jobber. Uh, <laughs> Can you imagine Jushin Thunder Liger in a match against like the Big Show? Right? <laughs> uh, no, that makes my brain hurt. <laughs> That'll wrap it up for this episode, but come back next time for more news, analysis, and of course, Spotlighted Wrestler of the Week. Big thanks for giving us a listen, and a super thanks for subscribing to this podcast so you can have our dulcet tones delivered right to you each week. Feel free to leave us some feedback on your podcast delivery platform of choice. On behalf of Mike and Tom, I am Jim, and we are out. Out.